0: I invite you to take the Word of God this evening and go to the 8th chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 8, and uh, we will resume our study of the first four verses of this chapter uh, dealing with the subject of a sinner obtains mercy. A sinner obtains mercy. Mercy. Uh, last week, as we were introduced to this particular section of Scripture, uh, we dealt on, with a number of different uh, characteristics of not only our Savior, but also some characteristics on how this sinner approached the Lord. And so we looked at how when he came unto the Lord, that uh, this was right after Jesus had come down off the mountain of delivering uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And it was right after that that this man with leprosy uh, comes unto the Lord, and he's there waiting. And we noticed uh, almost right away that this leper, uh, the moment that he sees Christ, uh, the Bible says that he worshipped him. And uh, we talked about how remarkable that must have been for this leper who would have been, in many societies, considered the outcast. Uh, He was, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later on tonight, but he would have been unwelcome in some places. And yet, Jesus comes to him, and Jesus is going to do a striking display of his glory uh, by healing this man of this leprosy uh, we noticed uh, very carefully how the sa- how the savior received the approach of the sinner. Uh, we see that this man he came to christ and he found mercy uh it is it's remarkable to me as i was thinking about this again this week that this leper worshiped christ before he was ever healed Uh, The worship did not come after the leprosy was removed. He worshiped him before he ever made him clean. Now remember, this leper came to the Lord uh, not knowing for certain that the Lord would answer or would even uh, heal. Uh, But we talked about how this leper, uh, in his approach to the Savior, was recognizing... The reality that Jesus Christ had the power to do what the leper could not do for himself. You know, when we, when we came to Christ, when our eyes were opened, when we were converted, uh, we realized as part of that conversion, we realized at that very moment that something that had happened to us was something that we could not have done on our own. Uh, We could not, no matter how many years we would have spent, we could have never converted our soul. And really, this demonstration here of this idea of worshiping even before uh, the leper was healed, uh, this expression we dealt with to worship, uh, it is an expression that uh, we looked at both of the other accounts in Mark and Luke. And Mark remarks that the leper fell on his knees, Uh, Luke makes note of the fact that he fell down on his face. The account in Matthew doesn't give us that, but it simply says that he worshiped the Lord. Now, we did deal with the reality that uh, even in Jewish culture, it was very common behavior uh, to fall on the knees as a sign of reverence. Uh, we talked about the the, the possibility that uh, did, this, did this person really know that this was the Savior? Did he really know that he uh, could heal him? And I don't think we can come to an absolute dogmatic conclusion that the leper was doing anything more uh, than paying reverence. But I kept being drawn back to the word that he worshipped. He worshipped. And so he worshipped and... He tells the Lord, he addresses the Lord by, Lord, if thou wilt. Uh, He acknowledged that this was not his decision. This was not the leper's will. He said, Lord, if you are willing, I know you can make me clean. I know that you can deal with this condition that I have. Now, many people uh, have made the assumption that the leper never intended to give Christ divine worship. However, I would say that uh, it is some appearance here, at the very least, that he recognized Christ and his divinity. Now, we could spend a lot of time debating that. We We could debate for hours about, did the leper really know what he was absolutely doing? But I would tell you by the words that he declared, If thou wilt, you can make me clean He was acknowledging that there was something different about Jesus. There was something different about the power of Christ that this leper was fully aware of. What he didn't know is, was it the Lord's sovereign will to heal him? He knew he had the power, but was it the will of Christ to heal him? And folks, that's really the way we approach everything. We, we live by faith. We pray in faith. We worship in faith. But we also understand that we're, it is, we are praying that, Lord, if this is your will, uh, then please do this. But if it's not your will, we don't have any right to claim anything more on him than what he's determined to give us. Uh, we do not have the power to overcome God's will to say, God, I want you to give me all the greatest favor and all the greatest blessings in the world. I I command you in the name of Jesus that you give me everything my heart desires. You and I don't have that power, nor should we even seek that power because there is nothing in us that makes us worthy uh, to even ask God in that sort of a manner. But we looked at the beauty, and this is where we left off last week. Jesus put forth his hand, and touched him, and we're going to talk about that tonight, I will. Again, there were two things that really I was just remarked at again this week was the fact that the leper worshiped and the fact that Jesus used those two words, I will. Christ was showing that he was willing, and he was showing, the leper was showing that He claimed Christ to be more than just a man. And Jesus, by saying, I am willing to cleanse you of your sin, was showing that he had more authority than just an average man. This I am willing really is a beautiful expression. The expression of God's will is the thing that heals people. The expression of God's will is that which saves people. To be saved by the will of God is indeed a beautiful expression. It's a a beautiful thought to think that if I'm in Christ today, I am saved by the will of God. I didn't somehow come around the back door of God's will. I didn't sneak in through a side door. I didn't get in from some other manner or some other way. I didn't climb up to a high window and climb up and down. Uh, It was Christ who was willing, and He is the one that saved me. In order for a man to save, in order for a man to heal, in order for a man to forgive sins, he must be Christ. He must have supreme authority. Supreme authority over death, supreme authority over disease. Whether the leper, all right, whether the leper actually truly ever believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, or had this man Jesus simply received the same powers that Even the scriptures at the time would have talked about. You read the Old Testament, and you see that there were demonstrations of power done through Moses. Moses demonstrated that he appeared to have power. Of course, it was the power of God. You remember when he held up his staff, and he held up the rod over over the, the, the Red Sea, the power was not in the rod. The power was not in the staff. The power was in God. But yet, to man, it looks like here's a miraculous work. Was Jesus Christ just like the prophets? Was he just like Moses? But we do see that this leper, no doubt, did know that about Christ. Whoever this man is, he has the gift of healing. Now, it is true that the leper asks the Lord or speaks to the Lord conditionally. In other words, he says, if you're willing, but either way, I know you're able. If you're willing, but I know you're able. Now, some people have, have uh, ridiculed the leper here. Again, if you really want to be fascinated by the study, just find every commentary you can on Matthew 8, 1 through 4, and look how many different variations and opinions you will find. There are some that take the approach of all about what the leper didn't know, what the leper did know, uh, what the uh, leper was doing. There's, there's a lot of that says this leper was not really, not really asking in faith because he was uncertain. Listen, this is, this is the reality of all of our faith. You know, when we pray, we ask something, we ask God to do something. We are not certain that God is going to answer it that way. Okay, when you, when you ask God for something, just because you're asking God and you're coming through the name of Christ doesn't mean he's going to answer it that way. There is an uncertainty to our faith. Now, the object of our faith is not uncertain. The object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. But this leper, in, in, in some sense of humility, is coming and saying, listen, if, if you will, he's not demonstrating inconsistency. Our prayers ought to be those things that we ask God for, but we should never expect God to give us more than he's promised. Now, that's that's a large well there. And by the way, you don't need anything more than what God has promised. You don't need more than what God has promised to give you. To to ask God to give you something outside of his will is to go something outside of his promises. His promises are glorious. We don't really need to even think about that. But let's understand something about this leper. This leper did not have any inspired word of God, inspired scripture that he went to. He never had a promise of what Christ could do. So how did this leper know that Christ had the power to heal him? There's the beauty where some have taken the position that said, listen, here's, the man, here's proof that the sinner seeks Christ for himself. But it doesn't really prove that at all. It proves to us that there was an awareness of what was going on, but who brought this man into an awareness Now, sometimes we get into a place where we begin to wonder who's responsible for getting this person to Christ. Well, let me put it to you this way. Any person that comes to Christ has come to Christ by the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit. So if, in fact, a seeker comes seeking Christ, he did not come seeking Christ on his own. He's coming in the power of the moving of the Holy Spirit moving his heart in that direction. What we claim and what we stand for biblically is not that a person doesn't come to Christ. A person just doesn't come to Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit directing them to come to Christ. See, that's the difference between man's will and God's will. So, certainly, this man was directed by the movement of the Spirit. Now, Strictly speaking, we looked at this last week, uh, this is not necessarily a prayer. Um, He only declares that he knows that the power of Christ and has no doubt that Christ has the power to cure leprosy. Now that's all we're told. We're not told if the leper has an acknowledgement that he has the power to forgive sin. We're not told if he has the power to do something beyond that, but there's something that makes that leper say, but I know you're able to cure my leprosy. And what does he do? He presents himself to be healed if it be the will of God. But do you know this leper is 100% uncertain of the result of his presentation to Christ? He has no guarantees. Now, let's be... be, uh, just be- very upfront, front. Would Christ have had the authority to say, no, I'm not willing? See, there's the idea that says, he could have said, I'm not willing. But we also have the promises that when someone comes unto Christ, that he's not going to turn them away. But yet he did not know the will of Christ in this, manner, in this matter dealing with his leprosy. He could have told him, no, I'm not gonna cure you of your leprosy. The apostle Paul was told by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. No, my grace is sufficient. I will not remove your thorn in the flesh. I will not take away this pain. I will not take away this agony. How many of the apostles, the disciples, were martyred for their faith? He didn't take away their dying. Yet God's will was done in every one of those circumstances. God's will was done in everything. So he would have had every right to tell this leper, no. So as we look at this, we see that the part where we begin to think, and this would be fourth in this journey that we've taken, is that the sinner, this sinner, recognized Christ's ability and sufficiency to do for him what he needed to have done and what he could not do himself. This sinner recognized Christ's ability and sufficiency to do for him what he needed to have done and what he could not do. Remember, one of the other accounts, either in Mark or Luke, says that this man was full of leprosy. Uh, This was not one sore on the cheek or one sore on the arm. He was filled with the sores. Uh, This was a putrid condition. Uh, It was awful to look at, it was awful to see, and even worse to contract and to live. Uh, Most people, when they got full of leprosy, they didn't ever recover from that. But yet, the dirtiest of people, the most filthy, corrupted man is standing before the Lord, and it says, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Something nobody in this room would have done. None of us would have probably reached out and put a bandage on any of those sores. Because leprosy was extremely infectious. And by the time this man had reached this point of being full of leprosy, uh, not to be crude, but the infection is practically jumping off of this man. Nobody wants anywhere near him. And yet Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Christ, of course, was not corrupted by the touch. Christ possesses perfect purity. His purity repels the filth and defilement of disease, but he also repels and is not corrupted by sin itself. Jesus Christ can touch the sinner and not have a single ounce of sin be taken upon himself. Jesus Christ touches this man. He's not polluted with leprosy, nor does he become a transgressor of the law. Now, this is important. Part of the law was thou shalt not touch the leper. So some of those commentators I told you about who I do not agree with their stance take the stance that Jesus broke the law by touching the leper. Jesus never broke any of the law, and he's going to show how he's keeping every point of the law in just a moment when he sends the leper cleansed to the priests. Very important to this narrative. When Jesus Christ, of course, came to this earth, took on this robe of human flesh, he did not take on our sin. He did not become sin. He did not become a sinner but He took on flesh that He might die in that flesh, and He died in our place. But notice, not only did the Lord stretch out His hand and His arm to this leper, but think about what He did for you and I. He left the right hand of His Father. He left the place of glory. He left the place of where His true joy uh, was everlastingly found. Yet, not only did Jesus reach out His hand to this man, He did not receive a single infectious strain of the leprosy. He did not not receive any of the impurity. Now here's what's remarkable. Jesus does do healings and miracles by just his word alone. Why didn't Jesus just say, leprosy be gone? If Jesus could stand on a boat and look at the sea and the winds running contrary and stand up on the boat and say, peace be still, why did he not just look at the leper and say, leprosy, be gone? Because I think there's something in this. There's something to teach us about who Jesus really is, that he is willing to touch the sinner. He is willing to even touch what society would have said is the filthiest of filth. Remember, if you contracted leprosy, in that day and age you were considered the sinner of sinners that if you get leprosy something's really wrong with you that's how it was treated jesus of course by his word alone could have healed the leper but at the same time we see this beautiful picture of the touch of his hand i believe the touch of his hand expresses the feeling of compassion don't ever lose sight of the fact that jesus christ hates sin but He also, at the same time, He is compassionate. Imagine a Savior not afraid to touch the leper. Imagine a Savior who's not afraid to identify with sinners who are depraved, who are ungrateful. The stretching out of His hand, Jesus Christ chose to take upon Himself our flesh that He might cleanse us from our sins. The stretching out of his hand was therefore an expression of God's grace and God's goodness. Folks, how can we read something like this as a sinner who has obtained the mercy of God? If you know Christ, and I, how can we just re, just blow by this apathetically and coldly and just say, yeah, 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 Jesus healed a sinner with leprosy. How can we who've been redeemed and who've obtained mercy look at this and not be astonished by what the Savior did here, and what the Savior was doing. You see, this is is the beauty of not just about leprosy. This is the beauty of a sinner. This is the beauty of God's grace and His stretching out of His hand and His goodness. Folks, never lose sight of the astonishment that your redemption really is. The Son of God was so far above, spiritually speaking, to even talk to a leper, much less touch him. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The steps that Jesus takes to not only heal this man, but the steps that he takes to stretch out, to touch uncleanness, Remember, the Pharisees tried to accuse Jesus of eating with sinners. I'm speaking this hypothetically, but I'm glad Jesus chose to sit down and eat with me. Because I wasn't worthy of him coming anywhere near my table, nor was I worthy of him even speaking to me. If I truly believe in the the depravity of my sin, if I truly believe in, that I am truly a sinner from the head, from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, why would Jesus have anything to do with me? The leper, of course, could have asked the same questions. Notice this next verse. And Jesus saith unto, or at the end of verse 3 says, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He touched him, he was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. You know, we often think that when something miraculous happens, that Jesus wanted people to go and publish it immediately. This is not the only time Jesus does this in a healing. There are times when Jesus says, Listen, I don't want you to say anything to anyone. Now, this is one of those circumstances that we say, why is Jesus being so hushed about this? Why does he not want this leper to run across the countryside saying, look at me, I have been cleansed of leprosy. And I can show you the man who did this for me. And if you have leprosy, I want you to come to him and he'll heal you too. Now, again, some of the commentators had different opinions on this. One of them that I particularly did not agree with is one of them said that really Christ wasn't really forbidding him to say it. He was actually using reverse psychology so that he would go and publish it. That's a stretch at best. I don't think Jesus was trying to use psychological manipulation to say, now what I really want you to do is I want you to go and publish this. No, this is all about going to the priest. This is all about presenting himself before the priest as a man who is cleansed from leprosy. Other people, other commentators have put it this way, that the only reason Jesus said this is because what John 7, 6 says, that my time is not yet come. So that there was a withholding of the fullness of this because it was not the time for Jesus to go to the cross. It was not time for all these things to be fully revealed. And I don't think that's completely out of the realm of what Jesus meant. However, I do think that we look at this and we think about, here's what we do know. Jesus Christ had a reason in his sovereignty for commanding that a report should not be immediately spread. This was not reverse psychology. Jesus had a reason, and we're going to see this reason scripturally, why he did not want him to say anything. This was not Jesus being dictatorial and saying, look, I'm, I'm God, you do what I tell you to do. It's nothing like that at all. But there's a purpose, there's a reason, and we'll look at that. But there's a reason, he says, I don't want this to be immediately spread. It wasn't that it was not going to be, but that now is not the time. We realize that the leper really had no right to do what he actually does. Now, this particular verse, does; these verses do not tell us that the leper actually did not obey Jesus' command. So if you read this, you see Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4, Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. If you just read Matthew 8, we're going to make the assumption that the leper must have done what Jesus told him to do. But yet when we go to the other passages, you go to Mark chapter 1, Notice, notice what it says. And let's just, let's just read um, the, at verse 43, because this is the whole account. And this is the word Jesus. He, and he straightly charged him, that's the leper, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now look at verse 45. But he went out and began to publish it much. The leper does exactly the opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. The leper goes out and it doesn't just say he just told a few friends. It doesn't say he just told his spouse. You know how somebody says, hey, is this just between you and me? and they say yes and then you go home and you say would well, it be okay to tell my spouse this says that he published it much and i love now the king james uses this i don't know what if you have a different translation but i love the way that king james says this and to blaze abroad the matter to blaze makes me think about fire it makes me think about this guy went crazy telling everybody Who would listen in so much, now watch this, that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. That's the reason Jesus said, do not spread this. We'll return to that in a minute. But this was because by spreading this too soon was going to make people look to Jesus for one thing and one thing only for cure for disease. Everybody became enamored with Jesus, the miracle worker. Folks, the point of Jesus coming to this earth was not miracles. That that's not even, was not even on the radar as to the main reason. Those miracles were meant to point to the authority of Jesus Christ and the power to not only authority over disease, but also the power and authority to forgive sins. This whole story hinges on Jesus' command to go to the priest. Now, the leper does go to the priest. He just did what he wasn't supposed to do on the way. He blazed the matter abroad. Now, some might say, look, let's just be fair about this. This man just had a miraculous healing. Who of us... Isn't going to want everybody to know that. Give the guy a break. Give cut him some slack. But you know, even the Bible in 1 Samuel 15 22 is that God prefers obedience over sacrifices. The leper did not obey the command. He obeyed half of it. He does go to the priest, but but he published the matter. This shows us that even our zeal, if it fails to take into consideration what God has commanded us to do, can be improper zeal. It's much like we talked about on Sunday morning about blind zeal with good works. Uh, Even if God commands it, but it's not not at that moment, or you're commanded not to do it, and you do it because I'm doing it for the Lord, I'm giving praise to God, it's inconsiderate at best. Sometimes... A person who truly is converted, sometimes a person who's relieved from a disease like leprosy, uh, they are very eager to please God. But also remember that God still requires obedience. So we have to say, finally, that the sinner did recognize the Lord's sovereignty. He did recognize the Lord's kingship. And now what he's doing, finally, is he's displaying the power of Christ To the priest why is the leper going to the priest what's the point well show thyself to the priest here means very simply uh, the ceremonial law at this point had not yet been repealed now what that means is is that there was still requirements for the leper and the ceremonial cleansing and law that had to be neglected this is the proof that jesus christ came to fulfill the law, not to nullify it or do away with it. He's following the law of the leper by sending the leper to the priest. Now, if Jesus wanted to violate the law, which he didn't, he would have said, listen, you know what? Sir, you don't have to go to the priest because I'm Jesus. I don't answer to the priest. What was Jesus doing? He was obeying the law perfectly. He sent the pre, he sent the leper to the priest, and God had commanded, we're going to look at this in Leviticus 14, God had commanded in the law that if any man had been cleansed from leprosy, he should present himself to the priest and bring with him an offering or a sacrifice of thanksgiving. If you go back to Leviticus 14, you can see this for yourself. We're not going to read the whole chapter uh, but I, I do want you to see the first few verses. This is the law of the leper. Okay, so this, this, is, this, was, on, this was on the books. Okay, this was not something that was optional. Leviticus 14, 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper. Then shall the priest command to take for him, that is to be cleansed, two birds, alive and clean, and cedarwood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds he killed be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. But it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all of his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all the hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes, also he shall wash his flesh in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two he lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, and three tenth deals of fine flour for a meat offering, mingled with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to be made clean, and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. This entire chapter is dealing with leprosy. The entire chapter. And all of the steps, and I just wanted you to see that the design or the point of this was that the priest, by his decision, he was the one that determined, has this person truly been cleansed and cured of the leprosy? In other words, the priest had to determine, has that leper received the benefit of God's healing? That person, once they're declared to be healed, would then give an expression of gratitude, thanksgiving. So what was Christ's intention other than keeping the law by sending the leper to the priest? To prove that the object that Christ had in view was his own glory. His own glory was that which he wanted to be seen. It was the glory of God. The showing to the priest was for the purpose of an examination. The offering was the expression of thanksgiving. Christ wished that the priest would examine the man to make make this what had happened to him reveal it so that there was no question at all. And the leper would have to be forced to acknowledge who healed him. Does everybody see this? There's, there's, a two part, there's two parts happening here. That law of Moses on the account, uh, on that day of his cleansing, he first shows himself to the priest, the birds and the, the, the cedar wood, the scarlet, the hyssop, the offering on the eighth day. Uh, all these things were with the intention of proving that this man had actually been healed. Jesus Christ, not only was doing this for his own glory but also to prove that he was going to observe all the ceremonies that the law prescribed and commanded folks that's not a light thing it's not a light thing that jesus went to that level of saying that we will do all that the law commands And then the final expression back in Matthew is the one that that really drives all this back to to bring us back to where we started. He says, see that thou, show no man but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. What is this testimony uh, that Jesus is talking about? Well, the testimony to them, I believe that the to them refers to the priests. And I think that Christ said this, and this is my opinion from the study here, is that in this, in this account, this miracle would give sufficient, clear proof to the priest of who was behind the miracle, that Jesus Christ was the one who was doing the healing. Christ, there's nothing inconsistent with Jesus telling the leper to be quiet He wanted the leper to maintain silence so that when the miracle was seen by the priest, they would be left in a state of, they could not refuse it, they could not reject it, and that they should be brought to a place of gratitude that Jesus Christ can heal lepers. Sadly, we understand that with the leper, the leper of course did not go directly without Some disobedience, giving, uh, publishing the matter. But at the command of Christ, when that leper came into the presence of the priest, healed, that served as a testimony to them, which would basically do this. It would make the priest without excuse. Because that leper would be able to say clearly, I can tell you who healed me. I showed up at the feet of this man, Jesus Christ, and I was full of leprosy. From the head of the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I was full of leprosy. And let me tell you, he reached out his hand, he touched me, and immediately the leprosy left me. The priests now would be no longer, they would no longer have an excuse. Because if the priests refused to receive Christ as the minister of God, remember... They didn't deny that Christ wasn't a quote-unquote prophet or a man, but what they refused to acknowledge is that he was the minister or the Son of God who had the very authority to do this. If they refused to receive Christ as the Son of God, as the minister of God, uh, that would, uh, they, would, they would have to reject that. And on the other hand, they would have to say, but he did not even neglect a single point of the law. Because guess what would have happened had Jesus Christ not sent the leper to the priest Those priests and those Pharisees and the scribes and everybody that doubted Christ would say see I told you he was a lawbreaker I, I told you he was I told you he would break the law So Jesus Christ in that twofold reason sends the leper there to give the priest no excuse We can't deny it And secondly, to prove that he did not come to nullify or to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He kept the law. What a testimony! What a testimony to them personally. Listen, we all have a testimony of God's grace. If you're redeemed, you have a testimony of how Jesus Christ sufficiently has saved you. He has cleansed you from sin. He has set your feet on the solid rock. He has reached down and pulled you out of the miry clay. He has given you eternal life. Your life and my life is a testimony to the saving goodness and saving grace of God. Even though you did not, were not full of leprosy, you did not have sores from the, head of the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, you and I are a living testimony to what Jesus Christ has done. Every moment we live, we stand as a testimony to the goodness and the grace of Christ. Do you realize that just our redemption, the evidence that we are indeed the child and children of God, serves as sufficient evidence to condemn the unbeliever. When an unbeliever listens to the testimony that we say and the life that we live and the things that we do, and they stand in rejection and unbelief, they are left without excuse. The priests had no excuse now to continue and say, we don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they could not falsely accuse him of breaking the law. Folks, let me just say, just by way of an application, there will always be someone who is trying to undo your testimony. And don't get caught up in this self-centered testimonial that we think about. We think about testimony, we we think about, well, that's what I would say if I was called on to tell people how I got saved. That's important. But your testimony is actually what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's not about the steps you took that you came to Christ with. When you say, what's your testimony? The testimony really is, by the sovereign, compassionate grace of God, Jesus Christ saved me. Not all the things that I did to get there. But our testimony often starts off, let me tell you, when I was this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. You realize all that leper did was came, and before he even knew if the Lord Jesus was going to do anything, he just fell on his face and he's worshiping God, and he says, "Lord, I know that you're will, I know you're able, but are you willing?" And the Bible says, "He will not cast out anyone who comes unto Him." When you had that moving of the Holy Spirit in your in your heart, and it drove you to Christ, and you found yourself at His feet, listen, we should have been at the place, not, "Hey, you're required to save me." But by the mercy of God, if you will, will you save me? Folks, when we come to Christ for conversion, we're coming begging God to show us mercy. We're begging God to forgive us. I'm afraid we've made it so watered down and we make it sound so easy that all i got to do is this. People say, what's the gospel? And they say, well, all you have to do... This is just my opinion, but that's a terrible way to start the gospel presentation. All you have to do is... because you've already put in the mind now that this is dependent upon me. That leper had no guarantee that the Lord was going to take away that leprosy. That testimony is important. And as we already saw this, just bring this to a conclusion. Back there in Mark 1.45, it tells us that Jesus could no longer enter openly into these cities. Here's what we learn, the reason why Christ did not want the miracle to be published too soon. Jesus Christ wanted a more abundant opportunity and freedom for just teaching doctrine. You know, it's interesting that when you, when you get a lot of modern Christian books about Jesus Christ's life and ministry, this is just something that bothers me. I'm just gonna share this with you and you can take this or leave it. But a lot of these books are, are focused, and again, it's, it's not that it doesn't matter. They're focused on all the miracles and all the things that he did and how that he can be your miracle. But do you know that he taught three to four times more doctrine than he did performing miracles, at least in the scripture. Now, the book couldn't contain everything that he did, right? It doesn't contain every miracle he did. It doesn't contain every healing. It doesn't contain every sign. But think about this. What is it that we should get from the story of the leper more than anything? The miracle that he was cured from the healing or the doctrine in which Jesus was teaching? I would submit to you it's the doctrine. Because the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of regeneration is all over this. This is not about being healed from a physical disease, not primarily. If I present this Jesus that says, listen, you've got cancer, just go to Jesus. Now listen, you ought to go to Jesus whether you have cancer or you don't have cancer. And the, Jesus Christ is sufficient for everything. Do you know there's not a single thing in this world that He's not sufficient for? If you get a terminal diagnosis, sh- run to Christ. But don't make Him just that. So, only reason we come. This story was not primarily about that. Now, it wasn't that Jesus' freedom was being taken from him because the enemies would rise up against him or they would shut his mouth from teaching. But here's what would happen, and this happens in our day and age. The people would start to demand more miracles. It's interesting. When people get in trouble enough, we've seen this, people start demanding Jesus to do more. When Christianity gets to get pushed a little bit into the... You know, we, we're not, but we feel like sometimes that Christianity is getting pushed and we're getting pulled and we're getting, we're getting torn and battered. And we tend to all of a sudden, you know, Jesus, do some miracle. Listen, once you, when all you demand of Jesus is miracles, you suddenly don't have any room for good, sound Biblical doctrine. Again, are the miracles important? Absolutely. Are the miracles about healing physical disease primarily? No. It's about dealing with the eternal soul of a sinner. God is sovereign. God's providence will not be thwarted. But do you know that even the God in heaven today, who does not, a man kicking and screaming and dragging them to salvation. Would much rather mankind be more attentive to the doctrine that he teaches rather than always looking for a sign. We're obsessed with signs from God. We're obsessed with, I need God to do something. I need a, I need, and I, I've heard pastors preach this way. We, we need a, a fresh view of you. Now again, maybe their intentions are right. But it's not a fresh view of Christ that we need. It's to be attentive to what he's already taught and what he's already said. Paul says how many times to Timothy, put them in remembrance. I don't need a fresh view of Jesus Christ. I need to be put in the remembrance of what he's already done. That's what I need more than anything. Now, Mark doesn't say this, Matthew doesn't say this, but as a result of this, Luke, in that passage, does say that he sought retirement, some of the versions say, in the deserts. He started to avoid the crowds of people because he saw that he was not going to be able to satisfy what the people really wanted. The people wanted miracles. But what he was more about was the doctor. It truly is the sinner obtains mercy. Listen, folks, I need mercy. You need mercy. I need to be cleansed from sin. You need to be cleansed from sin. I need Christ's righteousness. You need Christ's righteousness. I don't need or want justice because if I get justice, if I get what I actually deserve, You think about this for a moment. If I get what I actually deserve, I don't get any part of Christ. I want God's mercy. I want God's grace. This is hard for me to say, but this is true. It's not health that we need. I don't need health, I need a cleansing of my heart. I need my sins forgiven. I don't need riches but I do need the riches of God's grace. Listen, all of that comes from Him. God is sovereign, the Lord is King, the Lord is able. The offering that Christ put upon the altar of the cross was sufficient to satisfy the demands of a Holy Father. Tonight, the invitation is very simple. We are all to come to Christ. The command to repent and believe the Gospel Again, do not rest in the fact that you are in a church meeting house on a Wednesday night to say that is my sufficient evidence that I am in fact the child of God. You better be more sure than I think I'm alright. I think I'm in Christ. You need to know you're in Christ. You need to know that you've received His cleansing from sin. You need to know that you've received His mercy. Christ will make you whole. I will never stand up here ever in in the pulpit or in private and promise you that you will always remain in good health. I will never promise you you will always be wealthy and wise in the world, but I will promise you that if you come to Christ with a repentant heart and believe on Jesus Christ as the only remedy for sin, I, in fact, will guarantee you eternal security in Christ. It's all of Christ, none of us. He will make you whole. He'll make you whole spiritually. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And we thank you for the account of this leper who was cleansed from his leprosy, but more importantly, was cleansed from sin. Lord, we thank you that you have left your word as a living testimony to who you are. Father, may we all be aware of who we are in Christ, that we are all living testimony unto the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Father, I do pray for those that come to this place, attend this church, that either here on Wednesdays or Sundays, that there would be a certainty that the Spirit would give us all, that we know that we are in Christ Jesus. That we are not just saying it in a superficial manner, that we have assurance that we know Christ has cleansed us and has healed us from our sin. Lord, may we never take this matter too lightly. Father, we thank you, we praise you for this time we've had tonight, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you would, I know we're the hour is getting late. If you'll bear